Hey Forge family, this is the third episode in um, the podcasts that we've started in 1 Peter. Last week, episode 2, regarded chapter 1 verses 1 to 9, and in that second episode we were introduced to the Apostle Peter's living hope. And that living hope exists in him and in the people he's writing to in Central Asia Minor because of the resurrection of Jesus from death to life. So too, we will live and inherit the promises. Now in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says we are surrounded, we are garrisoned, we're protected by that same power of God that raised Jesus from death. And that same living hope we have is going to move us through life, through through the process of seeing the power of sin broken in our lives. We're going to arrive at a place where there will be no presence of sin when we're with Jesus. That's future tense salvation. Okay? That says there's no sin in that place, and it will be awesome. Now, along our journey, Peter says, we will be tested. But that test is going to prove to us that our faith is genuine and pure, and out of that testing will come salvation. So let's pray before we start this third podcast. Lord Jesus, Thank you for the passion of Peter to remember what Jesus said and to build that into a preaching style, some core truths that he carried with him for life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have led us into this passage. We ask you now by Holy Spirit to make it clear to us what is being said in the text and what is being said by Holy Spirit into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to grab 1 Peter chapter 1, read along with me. It says in verses 10 to 12, these things. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. As to this salvation that Peter's talking about, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. All right, amen. See, the the prophets that Peter is referring to were those in the Old Testament. And God would give them a word for the now and for the next. There was something often that was immediately applicable to the people of Israel, to the people of Judah, to the people of Israel, whatever, in whatever time and whatever place God spoke through his prophets. And then there would be an extension on it. There would be part of that prophetic thing that they had no concept of. 
<clears throat> in, in Numbers chapter 24, you have a record of Balak, of, of, the, of the nation of Moab, who goes out and he hires uh, this seer, this prophet named Balaam. And he hires him and breaks him in and says, I'm going to compensate you richly. I want you to curse by your God. You curse these people. Well, the Lord comes and speaks to Balaam, the prophet, and says, you, you can only speak what I tell you to. So Balaam comes and says, I'm going to speak what God tells me to say. And, and for three times, he stands up, opens his mouth, and blesses Israel. And it just has Balak in a total frenzy. I mean, he's frothing at the mouth. He's stomping up and down. He, he can't believe it that this man he hired to curse is actually blessing. And in the, in the fourth of the oracles of, of Balaam, he, he, he just talks about it. He says, I see him, but he's not near. And uh, he's not for now. But you know what? There's a scepter that's going to rise out of Jacob, and, and that scepter is going to crush Moab. Wow. That's, you know, that's an amazing statement because it's hundreds of years, hundreds of years before that became true. And, and then he went on his way. You know, he had actually also instructed uh, Balak of, of, of Moab how to seduce, you know, what he should do to, to break down the people of Israel. And then it resulted in, in horrible judgment and, and uh, loss of life. But in that situation, this seer, this prophet, heard from God, spoke from God. Part of it was for now. And part of it is for you know hundreds of years later. The same thing is true through the rest of Scripture. And it says, Peter says, those prophets who heard those things were seeking ahead. They were trying to see at what, what person and at what time the Holy Spirit was talking about as he pointed things out to them. Now, this business of the suffering of Jesus and the glories to follow, I want you to remember those phrases. And I want you to remember Resurrection Day, Easter Day. Now, if you're in a New Testament, you can flip back to Luke 24. This is the afternoon of Easter Day. And there are two men walking down the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Seven-mile walk. You know, it's an afternoon. You're getting on. And they're, they're talking back and forth. And there's, a, there's an air of trouble about them. And it says in the text that their eyes were closed so they could not recognize Jesus as he joins them. And Jesus says, you know, uh, what's up, guys? What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. I mean, they're blown in the weeds. And then they answer. And he says, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to them, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? unaware of the things that have happened here in these days. And he said, oh, what things? So Jesus is basically drawing them out. He knows the answers, but he asks the question. Then they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and had him crucified. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. 
Indeed, beside all this, it's the third day since all these things happened. And also, some women among us amazed us when they went to the tomb early this morning and did not find his body. And they came saying they'd seen a vision of angels who said Jesus was alive. And some of us who were with us went to the tomb. That would be Peter and John. Remember, they ran, okay, and found it was just exactly as the women had said but him, but Jesus, they did not see. And Jesus turns and stops them and says to them, to these two guys, Cleopas and the other guy, he says, Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, to suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to these two men the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. Now we know that later in this text they urge him to stop. You know, they're walking along at the end of day. They go head for an inn to spend the night to have a meal, and their eyes are open in the breaking of the bread. And when they kind of go, whoa, that was him. We're not. Was it not true that our hearts within us were burning? And at that point, they turn and they beat feet back up the trail. They get back to Jerusalem and they say, we saw him. They found the 11 and they say, Jesus is indeed risen. But remember what Jesus said to them? He said, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? So, you know, the same phrase that Jesus used to instruct disciples on the road on Resurrection Day is the same phrasing that Peter chooses. This stuff is locked into Peter's heart. Man, it's just down into him. It's in his bones. Okay? <clears throat> and then, remember Pentecost. Okay? Time passes. 40 days pass after. 50 days pass after the resurrection. Ten days after Jesus ascends, and on Pentecost, the core of the preaching message by Peter is drawn from the book of the prophet Joel, Old Testament prophet, in which it's promised that in the end times, in those days, in, the, in, in days to come, that the Spirit of, the, of God would be poured, poured out upon all flesh. Peter continues, and he quotes David. He uses David as an example of a prophet talking about a descendant who would rise, one of David's descendants who would rise and sit on the throne. Now, for Peter, those Old Testament prophecies were for him an absolute foundation of faith in Jesus. Because in those prophecies in the Old Testament, and there's over 300 regarding the coming of Messiah, where he would be born, how he would live, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, etc. Well, there's over 300 of those. Let me give you a few, just so that you get a sense of what it was that's running around all the time inside Peter's arteries, that's zooming through his system. Okay, Remember, Jesus was sold out for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah chapter 11 said, that's going to come to pass for the Messiah. He's going to be sold out. Matthew 26 is 
is the fulfillment of that. Where Judas goes to the high priest and he negotiates a price to betray Jesus. And then it says he was betrayed by a friend. He was betrayed by Judas, one of the twelve, one who traveled with Jesus for three years and saw all the same miracles that Peter saw. Psalm 55 says he's going to be betrayed by a friend. Matthew 26 is the fulfillment. At that betrayal by a friend, Judas comes into the Garden of Gethsemane, leads a troop of, of, of armed men to take Jesus into captivity. He comes up to Jesus and, and says, Hail, Master, and gives him a kiss. Okay, that's the betrayal by a friend. Okay, then the, what do the disciples do after the little kerfuffle over Peter draws a sword and slices off the ear of Malchus, the, the servant of the high priest? Okay, what happens when Jesus goes into custody? The disciples flee. They get away from him. Zechariah 13 said that was going to happen. Matthew 26 says, indeed, it did. He goes up before this kangaroo court made up of temple officials and the high priest, and, and he is falsely accused. There's, he's accused by false witnesses. Psalm 35 it's fulfilled in Matthew 26. He's struck in the face. He spit in the he is spit on. They spit in his face. Isaiah 50 said that was going to take place for, for the Messiah. Matthew 27 details it. It says he did not open his mouth. He did not defend himself with words. He didn't lash back at them. He shut his mouth. Isaiah 53 said, he will be dumb like a sheep before its shearers. Fulfilled, Matthew 27. He was wounded. He was bruised. They struck him. Okay? They bruised him. Isaiah 53 and Matthew 27. His hands and his feet were pierced by nails. Psalm 22 describes crucifixion. Luke 23 is the fulfillment. It says he would be crucified, hung on a tree between two thieves. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is written 700 years plus. 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah 53 says he's going to be crucified between thieves. Mark 15 says, there they were. Thief on the right, thief on the left. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he prays for his persecutors. Now, who are the persecutors? Okay. Well, certainly, there was a line of those who had betrayed him. There was a line of those who had ill-used him and beaten him and spit on him and, and finally sent him out to die. But, you know, we need to include the guys as well who got up that morning, put on their iron-shod sandals, strapped on their armor, reached in a bowl, and that day they got the white ball out of the bowl. And that said, I don't got KP. I don't have to clean latrines. But today I'm on the execution squad. And the Roman soldiers lined up and they just marched him through Jerusalem 
He collapsed under the weight of his cross. That was foretold. Okay, he gets to the top of Golgotha, you know, the place of the skull outside the city, and they prepare the ground. They throw him down on the ground. They pierce his hands and his feet, and they attach him to the cross. They tip it up and drop it into a pre-made hole, and they, and they uh, hammer some supports into it and step back. They're his persecutors. And here's this man hanging on the cross, praying for them. That was foretold in Isaiah 53. In Luke 23, it was fulfilled. People ridiculed him. There were crowds that came out and said, Oh, he saved many. He healed many. Get down off the cross. Save yourself. You know, there was that ridicule that was tossed up at him. That's Psalm 22. Fulfilled in Matthew 27. His garments were stripped from his body prior to being hung on the cross. And those garments were divided up. And lots were cast. That was prophesied in Matthew 22. Excuse me, in Psalm 22, and fulfilled in John 19. And then we come to this end of the, of the execution phase, where late in the afternoon, they've got to they've get these, these guys dead. They don't want them to hang there screaming all night long. And so they go first to the thief on the left, and they break his legs. Then they go to the thief on the right, and they break his legs. That hastens death because no longer can that can that thief support himself with his legs he's hanging from the full weight of his body is hanging and it it causes a a cramp to rise across his diaphragm and he cannot breathe and he dies but they get to jesus and they discover he's already dead and they don't break his legs see it says in psalm 34 none of his bones would be broken. It's fulfilled in John 19. But just to make sure he's really, really dead, okay, the execution squad kid, the guy, got the white ball, okay, takes a spear and he pierces up under the rib cage through the heart of Jesus with a spear. That outpours blood and water. That's a sign that the pericardial sac around Jesus has been filled with fluid and when you get a little blood and a lot of clear fluid, the heart has broken. The heart has come apart and failed. Utterly broken apart. His heart was broken. Psalm 22 fulfilled in John 19. The side piercing was, was prophesied in Zechariah 12 and in John 19 it was fulfilled. It says he was taken down and he was buried in a rich man's tomb. That was full prophesied in Isaiah 53. And in Matthew 27, it was fulfilled. Now, now, Forge family, hear this. This is just like 14, 15, 16 of these, of these elements of the 300 prophetic statements about what would happen in the suffering and in the glory to come of this Jesus of Nazareth who was revealed as the Christ, the Messiah. One of the Lutheran commentators named R.C.H. Lenski says, quote, the whole New Testament gospel rests on Holy Spirit's Old Testament testimony that was made through the Old Testament prophets. You cancel that testimony of those prophets 
and you remove the basis of the gospel of Christ. You see, Fort family, if you don't have the Old Testament prophecies and their fulfillment, you don't have good news. You have no gospel. See, that's what was down inside Peter's bones. That was the message he was preaching. And he uses the same wording that, that Jesus used with the disciples on the road to Emmaus when he says, and these prophets from the Old Testament, they were truly trying to figure out when and how this was all going to come to pass, but they never saw it because it was out there so far. But it had to do with his sufferings and the glories to follow. Now in verse 12 it says, revealed that, you know, that those prophets, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. Now that's a wonderful thing when God speaks to you. Okay, That's only happened a couple of times in terms of audible things that I know for sure. He has spoken absolutely clearly and thoroughly all things related to life and godliness in the scriptures. That's the, that's the Logos word. But I've had one or two of these occurrences in my life where I have heard the, the audible voice of God. Okay? That's an awesome thing. But if you don't act on it and you don't obey it, okay, and you don't follow through on it, just like the prophets of old, you know, you're, ultimately, it's not, you're not serving yourself. You're serving someone else in the name of Jesus. And so these people that Peter's writing to, Peter says, it's been announced to you, this, this, this message that's come to you through messengers filled with Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit came from heaven, fell on us at Pentecost, filled up people, and they went out as messengers, and they've gone repeatedly up this road through Central Asia Minor, preaching the resurrection, preaching the power of God, preaching now, and he's coming in, he's saying, all that message is hinged on the fulfilled promises of God through the Old Testament. And he's saying, to you scattered ones who live in Asia Minor, to you chosen out ones who are sown into the population of California and beyond, you know, this is such a precious thing for you because there's things that you have. There's things into which angels long to look. This good news that you've received that's produced by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. This salvation that you're experiencing, His grace, His peace, His love, His patience, His kindness, all that. Angels don't know anything about that. They have to learn it from us. They have to learn it by observing the church. So, Forge family, you've got something Precious that angels don't have. Now, I'm sure some of us have friends who say, Oh, wow, man, Jesus is cool. I like reading about him in the New Testament. But I stay away from that Old Testament stuff. Man, that's just judgment, anger, and wrath. And I, you know, no way, man, I'm not going there. And Peter says all that Old Testament stuff was for you. 
Now, remember the zoom out tool that we, I taught you when we were doing the, the Jacob podcasts? So what do you have to do with this? You have to zoom back from 1 Peter and say, all those prophecies were given in times sometimes of great stress and great trouble in Israel. But they spoke of today. They spoke of the fulfillment of Jesus as Messiah, as risen from the dead, as seated at the right hand of the Father, and the coming of Holy Spirit poured out on us today. See, all that was for you. Now, this Jesus that we cling to, that we love, he had to fulfill all those prophecies, or he couldn't be Messiah. He couldn't be the Savior. And the blessed thing here, Forge family, is there are yet more promises and yet more prophecies to be fulfilled in the future. So we're just like those from the Old Testament who are walking forward. We see a lot of it. We're blessed down to our bones. But there's more. And so we too have to get that that point that like the prophets of old, it wasn't all about them. It's about now and it's about next. So what I want you to do, Forge family, this week is just ponder these three three verses and, and give thanks to God that he prepared his way and his plan to pour out his salvation on you so that you can be part of his way and his plan. Now you're part of his eternal family. You're part of the kingdom of God. And you too have a message about the sufferings of Jesus and the glories to come. All right, Forge family. I love you. I'll see you soon. God bless.